2: We pay our respect to the elders of all of the lands on which we meet across Australia.
0: Welcome to Freedom of Species, where a show that brings animal advocacy to the airwaves of 3CR Community Radio. Before us, you heard Sally with Out of the Pan, covering all issues pansexual. Really great show. Make sure you check that out every Sunday, 12 to 1. Uh, You can also listen to all of Sally's episodes via the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au. On today's show, we are joined, I'm very excited to be joined by Mexi, a r- really big fan of all your projects. Uh, Mexi is a YouTube channel, Mexi uh, also hosts the podcast Vegan Vanguard and also the YouTube channel Positive Leftist News. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time to speak to us, Mexi.
2: Thanks so much for having me on. I'm so excited to be here.
0: And I am Nick Pendergrass hosting today. And on the show, we're going to bring you some positive animal news. So yeah, on Mexi's various projects, there's a big focus on, I guess, uh, celebrating the the wins that we've made already in, in um, social movements and progressive movements and left movements, et cetera. Um, and also thinking ahead to the future in terms of the, the future um, wins that we can then work towards and aim towards as movements. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, talking about uh, some of the wins that the animal movement has already won and also perhaps things we can look forward to in the future as well. So uh, a very positive show, which I think is very much needed all the time and particularly at the moment. I, I guess to start things off, though, before we get into some of those um, victories and headlines for the future, do you want to talk a little bit about the importance of this and, and how you sort of started thinking about um, along these lines of-, of having this focus within social movements?
2: Sure. So uh, I think it started, uh, me and Maureen, and Maureen is uh, my co-host on The Vegan Vanguard, who uh, isn't a- always present in the more recent episodes because she's uh, started a-, a new project, which is really exciting. But uh, Maureen and I had read Adrian Marie Brown's book, Immersion Strategy, which we found really to be quite inspiring and exciting. And at the time, we were thinking a lot about creativity and this idea of radical creativity. And basically how capitalism and, you know, patriarchy, all of the oppressive systems that we live under, um, really uh, limits our creativity, right? Really colonizes our minds um, and makes it difficult for us to imagine worlds outside of these systems, right? Um, and so a lot of times in social movements, we know very much what we're fighting against. We know very much what we're here to critique, uh, and we focus a lot on critique and on, um, you know, reaction. So stopping really terrible things from happening, um, which is all very, very important. And, and, uh, of course that's, uh, you know, work that, that we absolutely need to be doing. Uh, but we felt that, you know, as, as a movement, um, Sometimes we just we have a lot of trouble articulating or even to ourselves, right? Um, you know, what is the actual world that we want to see? Um, and we started to think a lot about just the importance of cultivating and nurturing this kind of radical, hopeful creativity for the future, um, so that we're we're excited about what we're walking towards, right? Um, and this is kind of tying in with Adrian Marie Brown's idea of kind of, you know, pleasure activism and making our movements so joyful and irresistible that people can't help. But but join us and, you know, be excited uh, to be part of it, right? Um, and, you know, I think also just to fight a lot of the, the doomerism and stuff that we see uh, on the left um, and, and really – um, you know, motivate people and also give us a clear vision of what we want to walk towards. So we started doing these kind of, um, creative, uh, future visioning <laughs> projects. And, and one of them was the headlines for the future, uh, which I'm really excited that we're going to do today for animals. But, um, yeah, we started to think about, you know, in, in order to try and tap into our radical creativity, um, what would headlines for the future be? if the world that we actually wanted to see came about and so through doing that exercise it kind of forced us to really think about well yeah what would the future society i want to live in look like like how would things actually operate what would the relations be between people and animals and environments and you know uh you know things and and resources and whatever and um and and that was such a uh, such an exciting project and then um we started to to ask our audience to send in headlines of their own and, and it became this kind of really fun thing. Um, and then, uh, I guess a, a little while later, maybe, um, a year later or so, my partner actually came up with the idea of, uh, doing the positive leftist news because, uh, I mean, a lot of the same reasons just to kind of fight the doomerism and get people excited. Um, and to, to, you know, uh, yeah it's we all we ever hear about on the left is 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 the bad right all we ever hear about is the stuff that's going terribly and you know the the really terrible stories and we don't often hear especially in the mainstream news about all the things that people are actually gaining and winning on the ground um and for me, I just get really moved like I get moved to tears almost when I see you know people coming together and and really winning something and and being really moved and excited about that so um so yeah that that's where the positive leftist news project came came in after that Yep. Yeah, yeah, so.
0: and, and I do really enjoy watching that myself because I do kind of have that um, perception of I'm going to tune off and just like watch pure entertainment, or I'm going to mm-hmm. sort of engage with leftist ideas and social movements, and that's like negative or not negative, but it's like it's almost like work, like you know, kind yes. of yeah. We have here's all these things I have to fight, which as you say is really important, but I really love watching positive leftist news because it's like here's this cel- celebratory thing and it is also engaging with these important issues as well so sort of reframing um those issues and social movements um and adrian marie brown is someone who I, I haven't actually read her work i've heard her through through your work so i kind of feel I'm a bit familiar with her i also heard her on a podcast talking about her recent book we will not cancel us as well about mm. cancel culture which which sounds really interesting i haven't read it but um yeah naomi klein is is someone whose book sort of along these lines i have read no is not enough all about the the trump regime and this idea idea of um, as progressive movements that we come together um, in these sort of intersectional coalition's but often um, against something let's stop this war we oppose this free trade agreement etc but we rarely kind of come together of got like, this is actually what we're fighting for um, and so yeah looking at like how we can come together in that kind of different way or make make that a part of social movements and I guess to link it to something that's going on in Melbourne right now um, which has been a huge issue should over the last few days is there's been these really big um, protests from the construction industry um, around um, forced vaccinations and that the mm-hmm. workers have to be vaccinated to go on site. There's opposition to that, but also it's been capitalised on by far-right elements and kind of people are already sort of opposing lockdowns, etc. cetera. Um, but this kind of protest, to me, it's like it seems there's a lot of anger that they're tapping into, which is, um, you know, is a real thing within Melbourne. We've spent nearly half the pandemic in lockdown so there is a lot of sort of anger but i don't really see that as like a long term sustaining thing for social movements kind of this short-term anger against something but they're not really proposing any kind of positive solution or any kind of outlook so i don't really see it as any kind of like sustainable kind of movement that is going to be a long-term thing it's going to be a short-term thing tapping into rage against something um and so yeah i wonder if you could perhaps talk a little bit about that in terms of animals specifically obviously when we think about Animals and and animal rights issues, etc. There is a lot of you know negative things, and there is a lot of suffering and and that kind of thing. So, do you want to talk a bit about yeah why it is particularly important for the animal movement in particular to focus on on these gains that we've already made and gains that we can make in the future?
1: Hmm.
2: Yeah. Well, I think one part of it is that um, I, I mean we talk a lot about. The, the vegan movement needs to be a truly political one, right? It needs to be one that connects with other social movements and that is not just a mere grocery list. Um, because, uh, you know, there's a lot of issues with, uh, thinking that we can truly change systems through consumption alone. Um, and I think that, uh, yeah, you know, a lot of times, um, in when, when, when people are fighting for animals, you know, you'll often encounter people, um, who are are just really pushing back on the whole idea of animal liberation and, and wondering, you know, well, what does that even look like? Um, and does that mean that you know, everyone is, you know, always eating 100% plant based. Um, How how do we get there? Because, you know, people will rightly point out that people living in food deserts and things like that have a very hard time with that. So, you know, what does this vision of animal liberation actually look like? And what are the other systems of oppression that we also need to dismantle in order to facilitate that vision of animal liberation, right? Um And then, of course, there's always, you know, uh, issues where, you know a lot of uh you know white white veganism will be um <clears throat> fairly um you know insensitive to indigenous peoples and there's a lot of questions around that as well and so yeah we actually need to be clear on well what does animal liberation actually look like you know what are our what what are the systems that we're fighting and what is the world that we want to live in and how how can that world be a decolonized and inclusive world for all where everyone does have access to you know um, what they need to survive, first of all, but, you know, good, good, healthy food. Um, and what kind of relationships will we have with animals? You know, will we have symbiotic relationships? Like there's a lot of these questions about, um, you know, okay, if we're, we're doing permaculture, like, are we going to have animal comrades kind of, uh, there, are we going to, um, have symbiotic relationships or are we going to, is it that we need to just leave animals alone completely? Right. Um, And so I I think it's important to think about these things, right? Because if you're only ever thinking about the immediate issue that you're fighting, um, you're not building this broader bigger world that you can invite people into and get people excited about, right? Because if people can see your vision, um, then they they can get excited about it. They can get on board with it. If they don't understand your vision, they're probably going to have a lot of pushback because they're going to be afraid. They're going to think about, well, how's this going to affect me? How's, the, how's this going to work? How's that going to work? How's that going to work? Um, and they're probably going to be a lot more resistant than if you actually have, you know, something worked out that makes sense and that addresses a lot of the issues that they, they're already wondering about, Um, I think that can be really powerful.
0: Yeah, and something which I wanted to just touch on, and we don't have time to get into this because it could be a whole episode in itself. But um, one thing about your work is around the the cancel culture discussion, which um, I mentioned before with Adrian Marie Brown writing a book on that topic. And, and it's a complicated discussion because sometimes, you know, I think we do need people outside of social movements for the sake of safety and that kind of thing. But I, I guess, like in general, I guess this idea of this more positive activism is like growing. Social movements rather than shrinking them. Like, again, there's a lot of discussion of like sort of kicking people out of movements and kind of making movements smaller. Uh, but I guess this like exciting activism, creativity, etc., and positive activism can be like an inviting space that more and more people want to join, which is obviously going to be a lot more, um, yeah, very important in terms of movements being successful and getting more of these victories. So we'll, we'll get on to some of these victories in a moment. We'll talk about some victories that have already been made within the animal movement and then we'll talk about about some headlines that we are going to imagine for the future uh but first of all we're going to play a song so this is the theme from the lego movie everything is awesome i thought that was quite a a positive song and talks about being part of a team and that kind of thing i think there's sort of a a more sinister sort of side underlying this in the lego movie but we'll kind of ignore that for a moment and uh here is the song
3: Awesome than an awesome possum. Dip my body in chocolate frosting. Three years later, while I shot for Frostin. Smell like a blossom, everything's awesome. You stepped in mud, got new brown shoes. Toss him to
4: win and toss them to lose. Toss them to lose. lose.
2: Catch the podcast via the 3CR website or on your favourite podcast app or listen live each Monday at midday.
0: Welcome back to Freedom of Species on 3CR Community Radio. I am joined by Mexi and we're talking about uh, victories for animals and also um, headlines for the future, things that we can imagine um, happening, positive things for animals in the future. Uh, but we're going to start off here in this segment talking about some of the gains that have already been made by the animal movement, some wins for animals, and yeah, maybe Bexie, you can kick things off. What have you got?
2: Sure. Well, uh, very recently, Mexico just became the first country in North America and the 41st country globally to officially ban com- cosmetic animal testing. So that is extremely exciting. It'll come into effect in two years' time, and it also bans the manufacture, import, and marketing of cosmetics tested on animals elsewhere in the world.
4: Great. Yeah. That's
0: yeah. great. Yeah. Um <laughs> My my first headline is uh, increased rates of companion animal adoptions during the pandemic. So uh, just to give one example, uh, this is from theage.com.au, a, a, a newspaper in Australia, um, to just give one specific example of a, um, yeah, a shelter here locally. So Lost Dogs Home spokeswoman Susanna Televitt, tele uh Televsky, sorry said the pandemic led to record demand for dogs and cats uh in august alone 416 adoptions were recorded at that particular shelter um double the average peep pre-pandemic rate um and i guess i also wanted to i guess get your perspective on this because this uh is a positive story for animals um in terms of you know shelters being cleared out and and i was kind of thinking about this as well like in a way it can be like from a human-centric perspective as like. Like i I want a dog so I can exercise more that kind of humor, but I, I hopefully at least some of this is also like thinking about animals like I'd love to be able to help an animal and get them out of the shelter, um, but I can't do that because I'm, I'm at the office all day, but now I'm working from home I can do that so I, hopefully at least part of that is kind of actually you know for the you know done motivated for the animals themselves, um, but I guess the other side of it is again, this was a positive story, but within an article about a negative story. Uh, which was about Mm -hmm. um, illegal sale of pets from puppy farms, uh, illegal Mm. backyard breeders. So people um, breeding like dogs or pets in not the best conditions. Um, I don't think we should be breeding them at all. (laughs) We've got all these animals in the Mm -hmm. shelter, but that's kind of a separate discussion. Um, But yeah, so it's like a positive story, but it's also led to this negative thing. And I I guess one question I had for you, uh, just from watching your positive leftist news, et cetera, um, I know sometimes you give a win, but it, there is also this disclaimer. Yeah. I think there was, there was once uh, a, a recent one was, I can't remember the country, but there was sort of a workers' party that had won, but they also had anti-queer policies as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, how do, we, how do we sort of acknowledge these limitations, the victories, while still keeping it positive? I imagine that's sort of something you probably struggle a bit with the positive leftist news.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you did a great job there in mm-hmm. in doing exactly that. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that's just it. Right. Um, you know, here's here's the positive thing. But let's understand the rest that isn't so positive so that we know what what next to fight for. Right. Like mm-hmm. so that we know what what else we need to work on so that it is a fully positive story. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. that's and I think that is motivating for people because it's like, well, we've got this far. So surely we can go a bit further and, and address what isn't good here. You know, yeah.
0: Yeah, so. for sure. Yep.
2: Yep. Yeah. Um so my next one is that Estonia has become the first Baltic state to ban fur farming in the Animal Protection Act and the Nature Conservation Act, uh, which prohibits breeding and keeping of animals solely or mainly for the purpose of harvesting fur. And that will come into force on January first, twenty twenty six.
0: Great. Yeah. 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 And I, I think like my next one is kind of a similar focus in that in the animal movement, as you touched on a bit, we often have that thing of like the individual consumption focus of we just have to convince everyone to stop wearing fur, for example, like, to take mm-hmm. that specific issue. But like that is sort of only one way to address the issue and that sort of is the more the structural end of things. And so I, I guess mm-hmm. um, in my own just kind of thinking around this issue and also academic research, et cetera, I've kind of moved from that Um, Yeah, focus right individual veganism to looking at this more sort of structural change towards um, like a a more plant-based kind of system overall Um, Mm -hmm. and it's interesting that these discussions about the environmental impact of animal agriculture have gone from like within the vegan movement to to some extent um, sort of yeah in the environmental movement generally even though there is some resistance to that narrative amongst some people but it, it is sort of becoming more common in environmental activists but also, it's starting to take place at the level of governments as well. Um, so this mm. example is from the Netherlands. So the Nevel- Netherlands government's uh, officers at the Agriculture and Finance Minist- Ministries have drafted a proposal to cut down livestock numbers by 30% um, mm. to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, something unseen so far in Europe. Um, I did want to say as well, that is currently being debated. So it's not something they've decided on, but I-, I do think it is like a really positive progression that it is being debated mm-hmm. actually at that policy level not just within social movements so i thought that was an interesting one
2: wow that's amazing Ooh. yeah i hadn't yeah. even heard that um yeah so my next one is also kind of um looking at this institutional level because i completely agree <clears throat> on excuse me my, my voice <laughs> <Is that? laughs> <clears throat> i just something's in my throat um uh, no i completely agree about the the individual versus the institutional uh, uh, veganism. And so I was very happy to see this at the more of an institutional level, um, that Berlin's university canteens are going almost meat-free as students prioritize climate change. Uh, the 34 canteens and cafes catering to Berlin's sizable student population at four different universities will offer uh, a menu that is 68% vegan, 28% vegetarian, and 2% fish-based with only one single meat op- option offered four days a week so i think that's pretty you know it's not all the way Mm -hmm. (laughs) but um but you know i think that's that's really great change to see to be seen at, at the institutional level right yeah um yeah
0: yeah absolutely i think we often again in the uh animal movement which often is very focused on individual veganism there's the idea that you know again we want more and more people choosing that option within the existing system but also those structural changes obviously influence individual changes and i think we often forget that aspect of it so i've got Mm -hmm. another example actually along those lines and yeah, I guess this is definitely like inspired by, by your work amongst others, this idea of, I think you gave a quote from from Karl Marx actually that production creates consumption or something along those lines. And we often kind of, again, think consumption is going to change production, but looking at things the other way. So uh, one one sort of, Inching area in that space, actually looking at tackling animal agriculture at the production level is actually looking at animal farmers transitioning away from animal agriculture and moving towards plant-based agriculture or mm-hmm. solar or other industries outside of animal agriculture. So uh, there's lots of different examples of that. To give just a couple, though um, – there's these are from the non-profit organization free from farm uh free from harm sorry um has a dedicated section on its website for people pivoting their businesses to move away from animal-based foods it features meat Dairy and egg farmers who have overhauled their businesses to focus on growing plant based food. Um, so, th- just give one example, or oh, a couple of examples. So, Jennifer Barrett and husband Rodney had raised cattle and chicken for, eight, uh, for 18 years um, and started feeling bad about taking their chickens to slaughter um, and said, I started to see the chickens differently. Uh, this is Jennifer um, Barrett. Uh, I'd never really looked at them as individuals before, but my heart started to break when I could, would see their terror and suffering. Suddenly, I saw them as birds, not products. Um, so the couple cancelled their poultry production contract, um, stopped breeding and selling cattle. Now they've transitioned to mushroom farming. Um, another example is from UK beef and dairy farmer Jay Wild. Um, and he took all of his herd to a sanctuary and began growing vegetables instead. Um, and yeah, he was saying that he's, yeah, he's become vegan himself um and is sort of questioned the question the idea of of killing animals for meat and has created a documentary about the journey called the last pig so i thought that was wow. an interesting on the production side of things
2: that's so beautiful mm, yeah, <laughs> i love and, those stories yeah
0: there's quite a few of them like that and, and again like mm. the it's not just like the less people consuming these things but also like the less less we have these mm-hmm. products like created in the first place also means less animals slaughtered too yeah mm-hmm. yeah. yeah
2: absolutely mm. um so, yeah, I have a number of other ones. Um, uh, so one of them was that a Californian startup company made history by bringing the first lab-grown meat to consumers in Singapore. And I, I think I, I have the caveat on this that, you know, of course it would be wonderful if people would just act now and that, you know, we don't actually <laughs> need that. Um, I mean, I guess, you know, uh, there's a, a very small percentage of the population that might, but, um, but uh, you know, this is still something that... Uh, will, I think, help on the production side, um, Mm. moving away from factory farming entirely uh, because we will just no longer have a need for that, hopefully. Um, So, yeah, I think that's a a good thing on the production side.
0: Yep, yep. And, yeah, we, we have actually covered that quite a bit on our show that that mm. sort of uh lab grow meat or cultured meat issue and it's something mm-hmm. that i have come around to more i think i was more critical or skeptical of it but i do think mm-hmm. it definitely can be part of the solution uh, particularly as the technology is evolving where it can actually be created without slaughtering animals it currently yes, involves yeah. slaughtering animals a smaller number uh which is better but um yeah mm-hmm. i feel like now that they're moving away from that that yeah, there's less sort of ethical arguments against it and I think it Mm -hmm. could be a positive thing. Um, Yeah, and I guess the, the final one I have is um almost kind of contrary to what we've been discussing in, in terms of this is around individual vegan veganism um mm-hmm. but yeah again i think we we probably are overly focused on individual veganism within the movement but i, I do think the 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 growth of individual vegan is, is a positive thing for for animals um just give a few examples of this around this sort of the mainstreaming of veganism um this is from plantbasednews.org um they said in the us the number of vegans increased by 600 percent between 214 and 2017 according to global data I did want to give a disclaimer in terms of doing research my thesis on all this stuff Um, there was at that point there was no reliable data that there had been a significant increased number of vegans Uh, the the sample size was always very small and and, um, so yeah maybe in the last few years there has been but when I looked into it a few years ago there wasn't (laughs) Um, but I think what there definitely is is this sort of growing awareness of veganism even though we can't necessarily from what i've seen anyway point to a a significant number of increased like individuals becoming vegan Uh, but 95 percent of u.s grocery stores offer plant-based meat um and the plant-based meat category grew twice as fast as animal-based meat um and yeah apparently they did a study again this was on plant-based news um plant-based meat is appearing on u.s menus 1320 percent more compared to the emergence of um compared to before the emergence of COVID-19 as well. So even the last Mm. couple of years as well. I guess I wanted to talk just a little bit about the positives of individual veganism, not that it's the only tool we have as a movement, but, um, yeah, I guess moving away from that sort of neoliberal supply and demand model of, like, you know, we have eat one less steak and one animal sort of (laughs) springs back to life or something like that, Um, but I guess more like a philosophical thing of, like, imagining that world we want to see, like, wanting this world um, without these industries that are killing animals for profit Um, Um, And Mm -hmm. trying to, like, incorporate that into our practices, I guess. And I just wanted to link this, actually. um, This is sort of secondhand from my friend Lottie, who may be listening. But she was talking about an episode of Revolutionary Left Radio. I know, Brett, you've collaborated with a bunch and a really great Mm -hmm. podcast. Um, But he was talking about this idea of, like trying to live with less stuff in terms of like imagining a post-capitalist future and like just by mm-hmm. me like not buying as much stuff on Amazon or whatever I'm not going to bring down capitalism or something like that um, mm-hmm. but still like it been a positive thing in terms of trying to like yeah imagine that we're trying to live it as much as possible like now and she was mm-hmm. sort of saying the same could be said for veganism too in terms of like imagining that world without these industries but also trying to live that now in your everyday practice as well so yeah mm-hmm. I-, I do find that sort of the the shift towards like growing interest in in veganism growing sort of um availability of vegan products definitely as a positive thing for animals yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah
2: Yeah, especially because i know that um it's mostly uh young people you know young Mm -hmm. people are um way more and they were talking about this in, in the berlin study that uh, i don't have it with me but that um young people in germany make up like 13 percent of them are vegan and 25 percent are vegetarian which is way higher than the you know national average or whatever mm-hmm. um and so i think you know it, it's really encouraging that young people are kind of seeing the writing on the wall um understanding where their food comes from more than i think generations in the past ever have and and wanting to prefigure prefigure that that a different future right so yeah yeah, yeah. i do think that is really positive
4: yep right
2: so uh, are we out of time or um,
0: I, I we can have one more maybe sure <laughs> if you've got uh, one well, if I'll, I'll,
2: to... yeah i 'll just summarize so i the rest of them I had you know um uh, a couple that were uh you know animals thriving during the pandemic um, because of you know slow down in travel and things like that, mm. so that would be nepal 's one horned rhino. Um, and, um, uh, a ringed seal population. I mean, there were several different, different species that were doing a lot better during the pandemic. Um, there are a number of animals that we thought were extinct that we recently found out were not extinct, um, uh, or, or that were very, um, Endangered and we found that they are actually thriving, like, uh, a, a Bornean owl, um, a marmot colony in Vancouver, um, a night parrot actually in Australia, um, and, uh, some very endangered or critically endangered, uh, killer whales in, B- in BC. We just found out that a number of them are pregnant. So it could actually save, save the pod and help save the species. So, um, there are a number of kind of animal comrades holding on and, and starting to thrive a bit more especially during the pandemic when we've slowed down uh our travel and things like that and then there were a few stories of animal comrades actually helping um human struggle as well so uh in canada uh the hummingbird a hummingbird helped to stop well forestall construction of the trans mountain pipeline uh which environmentalists were uh were fighting against um and in argentina some capybaras have uh, kind of uh, taken back their land in this gated community in, in Argentina. And, um, it's a place where environmentalists have always been fighting, uh, against the development because it's, uh, right on the wetlands of a very important river. So, um, I just, you know, love these stories as well of animal comrades helping in other kinds of human struggles just to show that all of these struggles are definitely connected and, um, animals are our comrades. <laughs> Great.
0: Yeah, I love all that. Thanks so much for sharing all those. And yeah, after this song, we're going to discuss some headlines for the future, things that we can imagine in terms of future gains for animals. So we're going to play the song. I'm um, not been d- meant to swear on air, so I'll just say F everything. Uh, report back from the Nihilist Working Group, to the General Assembly of Occupy Tuscan by Ramshackle Glory. Uh, Ramshackle Glory are a band who um, actually have quite a lot of a focus on on this thing of like not just like they're, they're an anarchist band but it's like not just like what that opposes but what what it means in terms of creating looking to what we can work towards in the future so the lyric in particular in this song is uh because if us if i spend all my time being mad about all the things that there are to be mad about when will we have the time to take the
1: herself as a really progressive trans person yet when we talk about prison and when we talk about poverty she is not willing to uh, acknowledge systemic racism we were talking about prison trafficking and she was of the opinion that um people who end up in prison Started, like totally out of their own fault and trying to bring in larger coercion and people being used for profit she was getting really frustrated because she was getting really defensive, and finally bustled out and said, whoa, black people could just stop selling heroin and get a job for all the things that, you know, all, all the times that I was trying to be really patient with my mom this was like a moment where I just realized that I had to call out my mom like I would call out somebody else. Ever since that visit, my mom and I have found the moment when we should say, okay, let's not talk
0: about this. A message from Victoria's community sector.
1: I'm looking forward to not worrying that my patients are going to die of COVID. To no one else being separated from their mom in aged care. I'm looking forward to our wedding and having our family and friends from overseas here with us. I really want to see my mum.
2: I'm looking forward to being able to welcome guests without a mask on.
1: To having all the sports back to normal so that my family members can come and watch me play.
2: I look
3: forward to performing in front of a big crowd again.
1: So please, get vaccinated. Please get vaccinated. Please get vaccinated.
3: Let's get back to the good things.
1: I ask you to get vaccinated.
2: For all of us.
1: Please
0: get vaccinated. A message from Victoria's community sector.
3: A 3CR supporter.
1: You're listening to Radical Radio 3CR.
0: Welcome back to 3CR Radical Radio. You're listening to Freedom of Species and we're chatting with Mac- Mexi today about um, some victories that have already made for animals and now we're going to talk about some headlines for the future. Uh, things we can imagine that we can work towards um, as an animal movement. Uh, just before we get into that, I just wanted to briefly mention uh, we played there a community announcement encouraging people to get vaccinated. And it is something that we have covered on the show recently. I really encourage listeners to check out um, a show that I wasn't a part of, but I, I really enjoyed and just wanted to mention um, our previous episode, anti ableism, uh, talking about the way, encouraging people to get vaccinated, um, not just like... Like for your sakes as an individual, but also particularly to protect those who are um, vulnerable, immuno, immunocompromised, and that kind of thing as well. So definitely encourage listeners to check out that episode of Freedom of Species. Um, and also on 3CR as well, I was listening to Talk Back With Attitude, which features Dr. Joe Toscano, and he is a, a useful doctor, not, not like the doc kind of doctor I am, an actual medical doctor. Um, and yeah, talking about busting some of the myths around vaccination and uh, sort of making fun of the, the anti-vax thing like well, you haven't grown horns and stuff like that but also <laughs> um, yeah, clearing up some of the misinformation as a medical doctor I think it was really great to hear, have him hosting that show so you can check out Talk Back With Attitude and you can call into that show as well and, and contribute to it that is every Thursday 10am to 11am here on 3CR Radio but I will hand it over to Mexi uh, for your first headline for the future
2: Great. So I wanted to start by highlighting some headlines that were actually submitted by people in the Vegan Vanguard audience because some of these are, are really great. So the first was from Kelsey Bomboy and it's New Digs, how these permaculturalists turn the polluted, haunted remains of abandoned factory farms into thriving ecosystems.
0: Great. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that, Vegan Vanguard listeners. Um, yeah. And I I wanted to give one, and I guess for Mexi's benefit and for those outside of um, Australia, uh, before I give this, Coles and Woolworths are two of our biggest, or our two biggest supermarkets before I get into this headline. So my headline, I've given a year for this one. So 2028, um, Coles and Woolworths commit to selling only plant-based meats. So yeah, all all the meats out and they've switched over. Um, And this is partly inspired by a recent episode, which featured um, Harley, a regular, regular freedom of species contributor um, and she's involved with animal rebellion over in the uk Um, but they had a campaign pressuring mcdonald's to go uh totally plant-based by 2025 Mm. um and yeah that episode is called mcdonald's bringing everyone together uh because everyone hates them so you can check that out uh, at 3cr.org.au forward slash freedom of species um but yeah i guess like the reason i came up with that headline is i guess along the lines we've been talking about of kind of thinking about the other end of the animal like the animal exploitation like moving a focus away from the consumption side and thinking about production um mm-hmm. having said that as an anti-capitalist like like yourself um i am also yeah don't think we necessarily should be like exclusively looking to corporations um for for social change but i do think that that um sort of shift away like at the structural level would have a big like difference Mm -hmm. on individual solutions and i think there is a precedence for that in that these sort of supermarkets are moving away from like factory farm meat and that kind of thing so it's like they're already taking ethical stand for animals but they could take a more meaningful stand by getting Mm -hmm. rid of animal meats altogether rather than choosing the the supposedly more ethical ones but how how do you feel about that about trying to think structurally but also not putting too much faith in corporations
2: yeah uh well i think i think it's you know i think it's a great idea um i mean because a place like mcdonald's right um and this is part of the reason why um you know we talked about the fact that um you know veganism is on the rise at the same time that we are slaughtering more animals than ever year by year right and part of that is because big companies like mcdonald's right even if people in the u.s um lower their their intake they'll try to find a new market somewhere else or they'll find somewhere to to sell that that product right um and so if we are thinking about these structural levels and and especially if i think if governments um are also involved and and um, this becomes part of their climate plans, for example, to reduce uh, the amount of uh, uh, animal agriculture uh, by 20, you know, wh- whatever, 2025, 2030, um, then, yeah, I mean, I-, I think that changing what is offered uh, w- would make a huge difference, right? I'm, mm. And I-, I don't think that, you know, I, I don't think we're going to get enough people to uh, to personally choose to go vegan um fast enough uh for that to happen so i think it it will have to come from um governments and corporations to some degree as well
0: yeah yeah that's right and i think it also like it also doesn't have to be one or the other like you can still yeah. live vegan and also like put effort into that sort of structural change as well yeah. um yeah what, what's your next one
2: uh, so the next one was submitted by, uh, Trans Jesus, aka Shader Boy. Um, and it's all turkeys pardoned for the first time this Indigenous People's Day. <laughs> so just as a, uh, explanation for people outside of the U.S., I'm also not American, but I just, uh, know about this because basically all of our media in Canada is American anyway. Uh, but so every, uh, quote unquote Thanksgiving Day, uh, an American president pardons one turkey symbolically um it's the most ridiculous thing ever because of course on that day you know so many turkeys well not on that day but you know for that occasion so many turkeys are slaughtered and eaten um so it's just this really hypocritical act of pardoning this one single turkey um so, uh, I just love that, you know, this is that all the turkeys are pardoned, um, and that Thanksgiving Day was not called Thanksgiving Day. It's called Indigenous Peoples Day, which is the true name of the day because Thanksgiving Day is obviously a colonial, uh, celebration of genocide. So. Right.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we've got similar discussions around <laughs> here. We have um, so-called Australia Day, but um, yeah, here on 3CR, um, there's often a lot of coverage of like Invasion Day, it's often called here, uh, or Survival Day. But um, yeah, trying try to reframe those things. So it's definitely something we've covered a lot. But yeah, it's also like a ridiculous thing, the idea that they're pardoned, but they will never sort of charged of any crime or anything like that but like, there's nothing to actually pardon them yeah. for as well um, but yeah <laughs> if we pardon them all I, I like the sound of that much better rather than like a a token mm-hmm. kind of a thing um Yeah, I've got um, another headline around the same line. So this is 2030. Um, Australian government announces the commencement of a transition to a plant-based food system. So yeah, another one kind of thinking along similar lines, um, inspired by groups like Animal Rebellion, who are thinking at that structural level. Um, Again, thinking about this at the the government level, not just at the individual level.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Um so my next one is submitted by Mary and it's the last zoo on the planet closed today will be turned into a reserve. <laughs>
4: nice. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> um and I actually I, I actually did pass a, a billboard the other day talking about like zoos like rehabilitating like an an animal or something like they were like mm. yeah they try and push that side but um yeah, I guess, yeah. like, there is some of that work, but it is quite a small proportion of what they do. And, um, yeah, I, yeah, I just think, yeah, I really like that headline.
2: <laughs> and, I mean, that yeah. can be done outside of the context of a zoo. I mean, exactly, like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. so. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. it's just something they try and, like, to emphasize, I guess, more than just mm-hmm. keeping animals in animal prisons, I guess, yeah.
4: Yeah.
2: Be-
0: be- better yeah. spin, yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm out of headlines, so have you got any more at your end? Oh, yes, yes.
2: Um, so the next one is submitted by Angelique. Uh, it's, as cities leave unmown paths, native bee population climbs, uh, which I thought was quite lovely because of course we need to be treating our pollinators much better. Um, and the whole idea of lawns is ridiculous and unenvironmental. So, uh, so yes, I love this. Um, so then I have a few of my own. Mm -hmm. So, uh, the first one is biodiversity rates up 50% as settlers learn to live in the indigenous nations across Turtle Island. So, uh, I came up with this, um, basically because, um, climate change, uh, which is obviously, um, you know, due to human Uh, well, not human, it's due to capitalism um, and our our other kind of oppressive systems. Um, And we know that, you know, decolonization, uh, recently it came out that indigenous grassroots activism have actually uh, cut emissions in North America, I believe by about 25%. Um, and there's been other studies done that, that say that, you know, decolonization would, you know, have, you know, our, our our emissions or whatnot. So, um, you know, I, I, I was thinking that because climate change is such a driver of biodiversity loss, um, that if we could think about a future in which we had decolonized and we were actually living truly in reciprocity, as as uh, Robin Wall Kimmerer describes, uh, with our non-human kin in in the indigenous nations that we inhabit, um, that our bio- biodiversity rates could could climb up again. So, great, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, So the next one is protect thy neighbor. Grassroots organizations help facilitate human non-human cohabitation as cities are transformed into multi-species commons. And so this one was inspired by my friend, Becky Ellis, who we've had on the show several times and um, she has long worked with bees um, and this idea of, um, I guess urban, uh, you know, urban spaces becoming these kind of multi-species commons where people can actually live together with animals, right? Mm. So, you know, so many of our cities are not built to facilitate animal flourishing at all. There's, you know, some species that can flourish in cities like raccoons or pigeons and, and things like that. But for the most part, you know, we cover everything with concrete. We, um, you know, we treat animals like infestations, right? If we have insects or if there's rodents or anything like that, we treat them like they're infestations. We we call to exterminate them. Um, we just don't have the kind of, you know, setup that would um, facilitate human and non-human cohabitation, right? And, and human and non-human flourishing. Um, so I was imagining kind of this, kind of a solar punk-ish scene, right? You know, that, the kind of solar punk vision of those um, high-rises that are full of plants and, and different places where animals could actually live and thrive alongside humans. Um, and so I was thinking, you know, obviously still there would be probably some um, issues where humans and non-humans, you know, maybe the there would be some issues uh, living together. So maybe uh, grassroots organizations could help facilitate uh, a more, I don't know, symbiotic relationship there, but um yeah that was kind of my my solar punk visioning for us all living together in a in a better way
0: (laughs) yeah yeah i love that and i've actually it reminds me of a a friend who kind of is in a similar sort of uh vegan sociology kind of space as me but her her research is around um, pets or companion animals but Even, Mm. like, thinking about within our home, how we often sort of have a very human-centric home and then Mm. uh, our companion animals have to kind of fit in with that. And it can kind of sound like a basic thing, but just think about, like, how we can set up the space for them, not just ourselves. And even Uh myself recently, I was about to um, donate a bunch of blankets and pillows and stuff like that to an animal shelter, and uh, we just had them piled up in in our apartment, and our dogs loved it. They loved, like, sitting on it like that. That's not, like, a, a normal way to sit up your house but like the dogs Mm -hmm. love it and we've we've never thought of doing that but they they loved having all that there so yeah I think Mm -hmm. they're like it seems like a simple thing but I can sort of can um I think it does have radical potential in terms of thinking about like how can we have spaces within that our home uh within our cities in general um like thinking about not just how can they work for humans but how can they work for other animals as well Mm -hmm. so yeah Mm -hmm. that that is a nice one um I think we are about out of time unless there was any quick ones you really wanted to get to but no that's uh, good yeah i think that's good yeah yeah thanks so much let's um before you take off if you could um we'll put notes all of this in the show notes encourage listeners to check out all of your projects we don't talk a little bit about your youtube channels and podcasts and the rest
2: Sure. Yes. So if people want to find me, uh, as you said at the starting, I have a YouTube channel called Mexi and I do uh, mostly political economic analysis. I talk about environmentalism, decolonization, uh, human and animal liberation. Um, I also host a podcast called The Vegan Vanguard, which you can find at veganvanguardpodcast.com. And there we talk about very, excuse me, <clears throat> there we talk about very very similar things um and it's just in in longer form and I have really great guests coming on the show to talk about these issues and I also have a YouTube channel called Positive Leftist News it's actually called PLN but if you just search Positive Leftist News you will find it and there I do a monthly show recapping all of the wins that people have made globally uh over the past month right yeah, yeah
0: cool well we'll make sure we link to all of those in the notes really encourage listeners to check that out and, and you can even submit uh examples of positive leftist news that, that you hear about as well um i want to give a quick shout out for a couple of things before you. take off so um we've got freedom of species t-shirt so we had our radiothon show recently really thank everyone who donated um, we're still trying to get over the line with our target so yeah if anyone wants to give a donation and, and mention it's for freedom of species you can do that via 3cr dot au and click on the donate button also if you go to that same site and click on the shop button you can check out freedom of species t-shirts they're now just $22.50 including postage um, available in a range of colors and styles and that supports the show and supports 3CR as well um, yeah uh, you can check out our podcast via 3 cr dot org dot au forward slash freedom of species we're also on a range of the apps including itunes and spotify um, and on the social media as well you can email feedback to freedom of species at gmail.com um and yeah stay tuned to 3cr i want to give a quick shout out to um yeah, another show um, called Remembering Palestine as well. I really enjoyed a discussion there with Dahlia um, chabini who's a visual artist discussing creativity, Palestine, ditching the 9 to 5 and much more. Um, that show is Saturday at 9.30 till 10. Um, so check out Palestine Remembered. Stay tuned for Rotations, which is a music show featuring a bunch of uh, 3CR presenters uh, showcasing some of their music taste. Uh, We're going to finish up with a song Optimism as a Radical Life Choice By Spanish Love Songs Uh, Mainly just based on the title of the song I thought was very relevant So thanks much again for joining me today, Mexi.
2: Thank you so much for having me This was so fun Pain is back in my chest again Holding me down
3: like a high school friend Says the world's about to end You best start swimming You said anxiety is the theme these days can't even have my coffee without exploiting someone or making another millionaire a billionaire what would it take to be happy I'd probably start with the money it's the clear backpacks it's the two new fire exits I'm buying a beer don't want to think of where I'm running if another asshole takes a shot This is it. Down while I stare at a dirty picture, you sent me. And I'm hiding in the desert, but I taste the ocean in my snot. Just trying to find my footing. I know you're sick of walking. Don't keep myself shoot me, know my circuits are faulty, I've only ever been a kid, pointing out dead dogs on the road, take me down in a landslide, weather this high tide, I'll wear you out waiting for me to implode, so take me out back and shoot me, I know my circuits are